Hi there, I'm Jay Christian Adams, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. This is Protecting Your Vote, the podcast, and the Public Interest Legal Foundation is the nation's only public interest law firm dedicated exclusively to election integrity. And today I have a very special guest, uh, Jane Brady. Hi. Hi, Jane. How are you? Good. Jane is the former attorney general of the state of Delaware, also a judge and- Former judge, and uh, currently, I think you're the chairman of the Republican Party of Delaware. I am. Well, Jane, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast at, at PILF. What Jane is here to do to talk about is an incredible victory. Jane, you were in rare air. You were one of the few lawyers in the entire United States that has worked on a case in the last two years that actually won trying to enforce a election an election law that a state was violating. And we heard lots about this in 2020, but you just won one. Yes, I did. And the language in our Constitution was so similar to other states that have, that have not prevailed in the, in the way they should, in my view. Uh, so I was very, very happy to have won these cases. So let's set it up. Delaware, like Pennsylvania next door, uh, had an effort to move to vote by mail Yes. And to same-day registration yes. by statute. And, yes. and that's what you saw a lot of states doing over the years. And a lot of states did it with COVID edict also in 2020. And in many cases, that movement was illegal. It was illegal. It was contrary to law. Explain in Delaware the difference between what they were trying to do and what the law said. Okay. First, with COVID, we did have mail-in voting in 2020 based upon the Emergency Powers Act of the governor uh, and declaration by the governor. I challenge that because the purpose of the Emergency uh, Act was to assure the continuity of government operations. And when I learned that every polling location was going to be open that had been open in the previous election, I argued that there was no discontinuation of any government operations. Um, the court ruled against me. That was in 2020. Um, and we can take issue with it, but I, it's okay. I right. realized I didn't expect that I might win that. I thought I had a good argument. Probably the most significant thing I did in this recent case was have the courage to bring it because I think that the Democrat majority in the General Assembly thought that um, we wouldn't bother. Uh, I think they thought that, you know, you look at Pennsylvania's case, mm. Massachusetts came down while we were litigating, and uh, uh, the success, lack of success, I think they thought we might be cur not courageous. But I just decided that, you know what, I believe that this is right. Um, they had tried for about, we need to um, amend our constitution. You have to have two separate sessions of the General Assembly, so it takes about four years, pass identical language by a supermajority. We have a supermajority only in the House, not in the Senate, in Republican caucus. We were able – some Republicans voted for it, the first leg. For so mail voting. For, the, for an amendment that would – they were told would allow for no excuse absentee. Okay. When I looked at the amendment itself, I started educating my colleagues that it could easily be the mail a ballot to every registered voter even if they don't ask amendment because it left all of the authority about what our election would look like in the majority in the in the house that's called and, nevada by the way yes <laughs> and so um they voted uh, we as a caucus we stayed strong and voted against the second leg of the amendment when they couldn't when the democrats couldn't get the amendment passed they passed a statute in the last week of the, or so of the general assembly 
Interestingly, the governor waited three weeks to sign it and signed it in a private signing ceremony on a Friday. I'm like, what are they trying to hide? If I were changing the law about voting, I would want everyone to know. And uh, they had a private ceremony, not a public ceremony. And it was on a Friday when you always in politics put your worst news out there. Right. So the simple the simple <clears throat> description is that the Constitution of Delaware does not allow no excuse absentee voting, otherwise known as mail voting. And the statute was going to allow it. And so this story goes back a, a good while, didn't it, to when you and I got together in Wilmington looking for somebody yes. who might want to yes. fight this illegal yes. law. And I had trouble finding someone. And one day I was lamenting the situation in my office. And Mike Manella said, well, I serve as an inspector for the Department of Elections on Election Day. And I'm willing to do it if you want me to do it. And uh, we looked at his credentials. And I was trying hard to find someone that met your concerns about standing. Um, so yes, Del let me just back up a minute because Delaware's constitution says what many of them do. The election shall be held on the second, first Tuesday after the first Monday, and it shall be in person in your district where you're registered. We also allow for absentee voting for six specific reasons. In the constitution. In the constitution itself. So it's almost statutorily specific. In right. our constitution, it's very specific. It's not in a statute. Now, the statute, they enacted a statute that said the same thing, but the constitution is very specific. You either have these six reasons or you vote in person. It was very clear to me. Also, it has a provision that you must uh, end registration for voting in the general election between 20 days before and 10 days before the election itself. And when they passed the statute on same-day registration, that allowed people to come and register the same day. So I had challenged both of them. <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting. We always get the question, what can we do to help? What could, you know, people contact Public Interest Legal Foundation and said, what can I do to help? And I wanted to say, do you live in Delaware? And you, do you want to be a plaintiff? Because you and I were talking for a long time before yes, we actually hit the launch button. It took eight or nine months for me to well, you were so concerned about standing. And after I started doing some research, I realized why. Although during this case, I found a great case. I accidentally got onto a case, Gallagher versus the Board of Elections of the State of New York. It's a Southern District of New York case. I was reading it thinking I was reading the case that the other side had cited. Mm. I was reading the case for the primary election, and they had cited to the case with the same title for the general election. But in that primary election decision, Southern District of New York, you're going to find incredible Article Three standing analysis that helps, helps I think nationally. And when our chancery court, we brought the case in our chancery court. Which is the lowest court in Delaware, the trial court level almost, or is it a- No, oh. it is right under the Supreme so, Court. Okay. It is our business court, but it right. also is our equity court. So I served on the superior court, which is the equivalent for law remedy, and it is uh, for um, equity remedy. Um, it's pretty notorious for its business uh, right, rulings. Right. Anyway, the chancery court was where we brought the action. And um, the chancery court's ruling, actually, in our case, had really good language regarding standing. And I'm waiting to see because the Supreme Court on appeal, only decided the issue and did not write its opinion right. yet. It wanted to get the ruling out. We'll get the opinion later. And I want to see what they do with right. standing. And so the, the case we brought uh, uh, on behalf of the client 
we wanted the Chancery Court and yes. we wanted the Supreme Court. We won on mail-in voting in the Chancery Court. We lost on same-day registration. They appealed the ruling on mail-in voting. I appealed the ruling on same-day registration. And again, I debated um, because it's a lot of time commitment. I'm not charging anybody. I'm doing this out of my own uh, right. Brady Legal Group business. And... Um, but I decided to appeal too, and the Supreme Court reversed the Chancery yeah. Court on the same-day registration and affirmed the Chancery Court on mail-in voting. You know, it's interesting hearing you talk about the intersection of private practice in this kind of case. I mean, of course, Public Interest Legal Foundation is a 5-1-C-3. You guys are doing it the way you're doing it. it. This is how we have to fight these cases, isn't it, is. it? I mean, we don't have these you know, gargantuan ACLU-style foundations. Right. Right. Uh, but I have to tell you, I am so indebted to the Public Interest Legal Foundation. First of all, Noel and Charlotte, uh, Noel, Noel Johnson, Charlotte Davis were tremendous. They were really smart, uh, great writers, um, and uh, co um, very collegial. We worked very well together, sharing ideas, et cetera, um, and um, great research. Um, and I couldn't have, I don't think, done as good a job. Uh, without their assistance. So I deeply appreciated that you were involved. And part of the reason I called you was your status as the only organization that does legal um, uh, voting integrity litigation. Um, and I wanted the expertise, but I also wanted to be sure I was getting all the right research. Um, right. I wanted to be sure I brought my best case forward, and I thought you would help me do that, and you did. And and I, I will tell you that we couldn't have done it without you because I, I have never had – I told I'll, – I'll be candid. I, I told one of the lawyers, um, two of the lawyers, actually Charlotte Noel, I said, you may never get a chance to work again in your life with somebody like Jane. And this is a great opportunity to learn about the ways to navigate local territory – the local courts, you know, the state courts, and just follow in the wake of what you you were coming up with and help, you know, move the boat along. So well, it really helped to know our judiciary too. I have to give them a, a shout out here right. because our judiciary is not elected; they are not subjected to the whims of mm. the politics uh, that are blowing, um, and uh, we are uh, much like the federal system. Uh, nominated, confirmed by the state senate, and serve um, specific terms. And you, I served as a superior court judge. You put aside all political considerations, and you decide the law on the merits, the cases on the merits. And I had confidence in our uh, judiciary, um, and that confidence was borne out. One of the first questions when the uh, uh, appellate appellant for the mail-in voting started speaking was, "Well, what about?" <laughs> um, these only that saying that these are exhaustive reasons why you can vote by mail is different than <laughs> right. voting by mail. How how can you justify this? And um, what about ten days um, isn't the same when it says completed or ending, right. uh, which is there was some language changed in 1925. Uh, but their questions immediately gave me confidence that they were going to look at the issue fairly and. Um, from a language of giving power to the words in our state constitution, and this which I gets, think is important. It gets into the rule of law. And, and I like to say that it, this is a case not about mail ballots. It's about the rule of law. That's exactly right. And if one of the most important areas where you need to follow the law is elections, because if you want the consent of the governed, if you want the consent of the governed, the losers in an election, follow the rules. And that's what characterized 2020. People didn't follow the rules. Now, a great story from our briefing in the case, I don't know who found it. You may have found this at Noel Charlotte, but apparently your Speaker of the House, when the bill was moving through the legislature to enact this ultimately unconstitutional law, 
to do mail voting said, eh, it's probably unconstitutional, but let someone else sort that out. Is that roughly? Essentially, yeah. The, and I know the speaker. He used to be the traffic lieutenant when my husband was the troop commander at one of the state police barracks in Delaware. I, so I've known him 30 years. Um, and uh, he said, essentially, look, I don't know if it's con- – there are people arguing about the constitutionality yeah. of it. And he said, look, I don't know. You don't know. We'll throw it to the courts and see what they say. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say what you, you probably can't. <laughs> We should expect more from from elected officials. To I said follow. they abdicated their duty. Right, you know? absolutely. Yeah. You know, don't pass laws that you think are unconstitutional. And then I know the governor was asked to re- please consider whether to sign the bills, and I don't know if that's why he did it in private instead of publicly. But it was, <clears throat> you know, if you're going to sign a bill that affects everybody's the way everybody is allowed to vote potentially. Um, then I think you ought to make it as public as possible. So I was very disturbed by that. Right. And I, I think he's not talking to me right now because he knows that. <laughs> so before we move to Pennsylvania in a contrasting mm-hmm. case, mm-hmm. what has been the reaction? You know, the, the Supreme Court ruled the Friday before the Monday when the ballots were supposed to mail out. So right. it was a, you know, last minute almost. Well, the date on which they could be, they didn't, it's not mandated, but that's the first day they right. would have been allowed to mail them. Yes. And they wanted to decide the case before that date if they could. So what has been the reaction among the homegrown left, the Democrats yeah. uh, in Delaware to this? Oh, we're extremists that are trying to keep people from voting. I had one reporter say to me, well, what about poor Aunt Sally in Price's Corner? You know, and I said, what should we tell her? I said, tell her to vote the way she always has. Because right. we've had zero That's general, right. we've had zero <laughs> general elections since these bills were passed. They've never been implemented. No one's ever voted under them. Right. You know, tell her you go right ahead and do what you've always done and you'll be just fine, Aunt Sally. And, and have you noticed I, at least from my perspective, maybe I'm missing something. The national media almost seems content to like hide this in the closet that this happened. Oh, that I, they lost no a huge case. Mm-hmm. You didn't follow the law. Court said you broke the law. It's unconstitutional. Mail voting was 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 unconstitutional. Don't talk about it. Hide it. Just before I came in here, I was watching a uh, debate between the two attorney general candidates, one an incumbent and the other the Republican challenger. And the incumbent Democrat, who I've known for 40 years, um, said, you know, the Republicans are trying to make it harder to vote. Well, it's the same easy way to vote as it's been for like decades. And, um, but they're, they're characterizing us as extremists who are trying to restrict access to voting. Um, they do it right, and it's a public policy argument that I lose in the political process. I have no complaint. Right. That's just you have to do it right. Right. So let's contrast Delaware's great victory uh, in shutting down illegal election practices with what happened in Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania had kind of the same constitutional provision. They do. And kind of passed the same law that conflicts with the constitutional provision. And kind of had a lower court say, you can't do this. So what happens next? They did, but they elect their Supreme Court. And I believe that's the difference. I really do. I think that it is so important. And especially in the last six to eight years, I have seen a huge change in the role of the judiciary mm-hmm. um, to being more com- comfortable in um, uh, what they want to do as opposed to what they should do yeah. uh, being the result. And um, so I think uh, more states, I realize out west they elect everything, you know, but, um, and I respect that, but I do uh, think that states should consider an appointment, a nomination, and confirmation process. In my state, 
you have to be, well, it's under challenge, but you used to have to be no more than a majority of one of any major political party on the court. So you had both Republicans and Democrats being nominated, and you kind of had to be politically active to get the attention of the governor and, and the Senate to get confirmation. But, but our court has such a great history of looking at the merits and not and putting aside you're not allowed to attend a political function, you're not allowed to give money to any political candidate, you're completely barred from partisan political activity. And I think that's the right way to make sure that you are true to the law. I think you're right. Look at North Carolina, Pennsylvania. These are states where the Supreme Court has struck down democratically enacted laws uh, or constitutional provisions, and they're as partisan as they get on those courts as far as how they get elected. I think you're onto something. The founders, the framers probably had it right when they designed the judiciary to be free of political wins. That's right. And, and I think the case, the win in Delaware, just to recap, you and the Public Interest Legal Foundation brought a case and won it for a change. And it was such a great moment when that opinion came down or when that ju judgment came down to strike down illegal mail voting and same-day registration in Delaware is contrary to the Delaware Constitution. So yep. congratulations. Thank you. I, it's, it's truly, you've had a long legal history, but I am I tell the lawyers who worked on it, Nolan Catherine, this is going to be one of the crowning achievements of your legal career because it doesn't happen very often. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for your help. Thanks a lot. I'm Jay Christian Adams. You've been listening to Protecting Your Vote, the podcast. Uh, if you'd like more information about this or any other case by the Public Interest Legal Foundation, the website address is publicinterestlegal.org. Thanks for listening.